Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. I know, it's been a while. Uh, in fact, I think it's been about three weeks since I've posted anything. Oh, I apologize. It's been a long time. Uh, my excuse is this. Uh, I've been having some health problems. I don't need to elaborate on here, but other than that, just to tell you guys that I can use your prayers, uh, as far as I can tell, I'll be just fine, uh, but they have kind of messed with things a little bit. In conjunction with that, I've had to, um, I've had the privilege of teaching at uh, the church I attend for the last month straight. And between teaching and uh, uh, this issue that I've been dealing with, it's just been a rough month. Uh, whatever the case, uh, I'm back. I'm going to keep podcasting. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I just had a little hiatus there. Um, having said that, I am going to post those uh, five teachings that I did at the church. They're on Second Peter. Uh, I taught expositionally through the book of Second Peter. Uh, and if any of any of you guys are familiar with Second Peter, there's a lot in there about false teachers. <laughs> so if you can imagine, I have a lot to say on that subject. Uh, some of it will be review for you, but at the same time, a lot of it, well, it's just good Bible teaching. So I'll be putting those online um, along with my regular weekly podcast to try and make it up to you guys. So in other words, I'm going to be trying to uh, post two podcasts a week for the next like four to five weeks, uh, if I can pull that off. Um, so we'll see how this works out, whatever the case. Today on the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast, uh, we're going to go in areas that, well, friends, we, for the most part, haven't gone before. We're going to be talking about giants uh, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 6, and many other places throughout the scriptures, uh, we find that the Bible describes giants. Of course, we all know about Goliath, the giant. Uh, what's up with that? When you look the fossil record, as far as uh, uh, secular science is concerned, there are no giants. So today we're going to be speaking with Chris Leslie of the Greater Ancestors World Museum, also his website, greaterancestors.com. And we're going to be talking with Chris about the existence of giants throughout history. Are there giants? Were there, have there been any giant skeletons found, giant animals, giant plants, giant human beings? What evidence is there of these rather large beings that are described in the Bible? And so with that, Chris Leslie, welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Thank you. So uh, friends, today we're going to be talking about giants, the Bible uh, clearly describes giants in the Old Testament. For example, we see in Genesis chapter 6, there were giants in the earth in those days and also afterward. Uh, we see, of course, everybody knows about Goliath. Right. There's Og, king of Bashan. Uh, this guy was supposedly somewhere around 9 to 13 feet tall. Uh, yeah. the, the estimates on that are all over the board, but he had a pretty big bed. Um, and yes, throughout the Old Testament, we see examples of giants. Now, 
from secular anthropology, uh, from uh, the, the fossils we find in the dirt, what we see in museums, uh, as far as the, the secular world is concerned, there are no giants. Right. So what's going on here, friends? Is this a contradiction or, or is, is there something else going on here? And I guess, uh, furthermore, well, we're going to be talking to Chris Leslie today about this. And, and furthermore, how does this, uh, the, the existence of giants impact the, the evolutionary uh, worldview? Okay. And so with that, Chris, yeah, tell us about your museum and your ministry, first of all. Okay. Uh, my museum is, is based on a concept called Greater Ancestry, and it's a three-tier uh, concept. It, it, it's basically about giant humans, giant animals, and greater technology, and those uh, three things are linked. Uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Goliath, and uh, one of the cool things, that research that I've done is in the cubits. And, you know, like you said, the measurements are all over the place. So I, I decided to do some research into, into the cubits, and most of the heights of Goliath are done with a, a common cubit, which is 18, 18 inches. Uh, that's the most modern. Right. But the Hebrew cubit in the past, you know, it was one of the earlier ones. It's 24.83 um, Whoa! In length, so the further you go back in time, the larger the, the cubit is. So you have to wonder what does that mean? Huh? And uh, I, I estimated Goliath's height about he was about thirteen, about thirteen feet tall, and, and that's pretty tall for <laughs> somebody of recent times. Uh, yeah, yeah, he would devastate uh, in a basketball game. I mean, he'd just slaughter everybody. But <laughs> um, Also at the museum, I have um, a couple of replicas. The Gath inscription and the Two Gates inscription, both of those have Goliath's name on them. Um, the originals, they come uh, right out of Israel from, from the area where uh, David slew Goliath. So it's a it's, both of them are testimonies to the existence of Goliath. So it's it's not just a myth. It's it was uh, it really happened. Right. So, where where is your museum? It's in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Uh, the location is is really unique. Uh, in in Jacksonville, Florida, at the turn of the century, there was a big fire here, and and it just completely leveled the city. So a lot of these architects, um, world-renowned architects, came here and built the city back up, and they built a lot of banks here in this location. And so at the time, they had these tunnels that go underneath the streets that go from bank to bank, and they were inaccessible to the public. So uh, my museum is in not only in one of those tunnels, it's in a 1,600-square-foot bank vault. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So you have so, a Hidden so History Museum inside a bank vault. The Hidden History Museum. 
Um, and, and what's the mission of this museum then? Um, the the mission is to well, it, it's actually part of a bigger goal. By trade, I'm a I'm an artist. I'm a theme park artist, so I sculpt whales and sharks and pirate ships. Uh, that kind of stuff for theme parks. I've done stuff for the Spy Museum in Washington, you know, in Washington D.C. And I've done some stuff for Ripley's, believe it or not, and uh, various other theme parks. So I think the museum is just a stepping stone. If if I get, ever get the funding, I'm gonna I want to do a full blown theme park uh, based on giants because I think uh, wow it, it it sort of lends itself. But uh, for now. Um, the, the museum is, is is a really fun project for me. So, so, okay, so this is a museum that pretty much it, it just documents and displays artifacts that re- reveal the fact that there were greater ancestors yes. on this planet. There were greater human beings. They were faster. They were mm-hmm. uh, bigger and better and stronger. In the uh, animals in the past, right? Uh, as if you would think we were evolving backwards. Yeah. I mean, if, if evolution, if this paradigm, is, if this theory is true, we should be getting uh, bigger, stronger, faster. But it actually is the case that that is going in reverse. Entropy has okay. taken over and we're, we're actually getting, uh, the gene pool is shrinking. <laughs> uh, we're getting smaller. We're getting weaker yeah, and um, you know, as, as you walk into the museum, one of the first things you see is a is a dragonfly that's five feet wide, and there was one that was found in a cave wall in Italy. Uh, that's this size, just the largest example. And then right after that, I you know you, you see this map of horses, and these are horses, uh, the locations of all these horses that are ten to thirteen feet tall from the fossil record a species mm. called Equus giganteus. And while a lot of mainstream mainstream creationists um, you know, are talking about rib count, you know, and you know what Hierarchotherium really is, I'm showing the devolution, you know, of, of the horse. I'm showing that it was larger in the past and getting and getting smaller. One one thing I also do is Speaking of hierarchotherium, a lot of people will say that that's a hyrax. If that's the case, then it's it's actually shrunk because a hyrax is smaller than hierarchotherium. So that would be yet another example of a uh, of this devolutionary process. When when I I debate, I try my best not to cross debate, and I saw a banner of a. A creation group, and it said evolution versus God. And um, I, I would never—I I might just walk away from that. But I, I would debate evolution versus devolution. I like to keep it simple, and uh, you know, not mix apples and oranges. If I were to debate, you know, God, you know, on the side of God, I would debate against nature. That's pretty much the bottom bottom-up designer for evolution 
It's, it's actually a pretty um, good way to debate. One of the weaknesses of uh, creation uh, creation scientists and, and the like who debate is, well, when you get in these debates, well, we absolutely have the upper hand because ev- the theory of evolution has very little going for it. Right. But the atheist just turns around and goes on a tirade poking holes in the Bible coming up with Bible contradictions and I mean there's so much you can bring up and all of these things that are brought up in these debates have great answers unfortunately it takes you a lot longer to answer the question than it does to bring up an objection and so yeah by limiting the scope of the debate and saying we're going to play in this one little sandbox here and we're not going to go outside of it uh, that certainly gives you an upper hand in that in that respect so yeah. yeah And, you know, um, when, when you talk about greater ancestry, of course, the opposite of that is common ancestry, the idea that, you know, there's this tree and everything is linked together. Um, that's, I, I always use the term devolution and common ancestry. It's, it's two points that I believe that the current creation model is missing. You know, all the, all the mainstream groups right now, they, they don't really have a model. You know, stasis, what do you say? You say, you know, stasis, what's going on? Nothing nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but with with this model, you can show the, the decline of everything. And it's got to be frustrating for evolutionists um, because for every animal they bring up, if they bring up a chimpanzee, I show them, you know, Java man, Java, which is this is one of my favorite, absolute favorites, and it was found by a by an evolutionist, uh, Dubois, and he found a a leg bone in the skull cap. The first thing he says is that this was a giant chimpanzee. That was his hmm. very first comment, and it, you know, the skull cap is identical. It's just larger, and so because it was larger. Um, I think it was Huxley who came along and said, no, this is an ape-man. But I agree with his original assessment that that was a, a chimpanzee. The leg bone, however, you know, we're talking about, you know, where to start at, you know, a comfortable place to start at if you're a mainstream creationist into, you know, giantism is um, start with the, uh, the Java man femur because it's a femur that's four inches longer than the average femur. So you're talking about a person who is, you know, upwards around seven feet tall. So you have Whoa. a giant, you have a giant right there. There, there's several others. Uh, um, Heidel, the Heidelberg Engels jaw, the uh, La Pharisee. Most of the Neanderthals are are giant, you know, giant in size. The skulls are. You know, they're 20 centimeters in circumference. I think the average person is like 16. Oh, wow. Uh, their brain cases are bigger. You know, they always say they have a primitive look. I would say they have <laughs> a more mature look. And uh, out of everything, I'd say, you know, another thing that's missing out of mainstream creation is that word maturity. That's That's basically what we're looking at, is we're looking at a... A five-foot dragonfly that's more mature than dragonflies today, and we're looking at people. 
who are in a, you know, seven, eight, nine feet tall that are more mature than people are today. We, we sort of think that, you know, we're fully adult and we are adult, but we're not, we don't reach our peak maturity. Uh, that word actually helps with the distant starlight uh, problem too. Idea that starlight, you know, it takes millions or billions of years to get here. But if God created everything mature, then He did the same thing with the stars. Because the Garden of Eden, there wasn't two babies, you know, <laughs> with a bag of seeds, in right? The sand with bag of seeds and eggs. They were fully adult. So it wasn't just some of the creation. All of it was fully mature, and it, right. it had the appearance of age. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. So on your website, uh, greaterancestors.com, uh -huh. you have some amazing examples, just tons of examples of uh, various giant skeletons that have been found, uh, giant artifacts, um, I guess I'd like to start in the area of stateside. So okay. talking about greater humans stateside, you actually have a whole page, and you can just scroll down forever, of diff all the different states and uh, various things that have been found, giant skeletons and the like. Um, give us some examples from the stateside. Um, well, I'll, I'll go with my absolute favorite in uh if you go to California and go to the San Diego Giants, in 2010, I was uh, doing some research with uh, Micah Ewers, and it was really me and a lot of a lot of the buzz right now is because we were just going through old archives and putting giant evidence out, you know, freely without, you know, thinking of any recourse. So everybody else has all these books on giants and, you know, it's pretty much, um, which, which we've helped, you know, creating that, that energy or that, um, that buzz for giants. But the yeah. San Diego giants, you know, you have, you have a guy from the Smithsonian and another guy from a bank. He's a banker. And, you know, I guess he's funding the dig. But then you have this, you know, it's a mummy that's eight feet, four and a half inches that, that was pulled out of the desert. Now, mummies tend to lose three inches. Huh. Uh, you know, because of the heat and... But usually a, a skeleton or a mummy will lose three inches, you know, over time. So he may have been even bigger. But... Right. In this, in this um, article, and I, I found this in 2010, and... You know, my eyes just widened up when I first saw it. <laughs> and I said, this is going to be big. I said, no one has seen anything like this uh, in recent times. So I put that out there. Now, the story says that they, the Smithsonian tested it, and they said that, you know, that it was a fake. So there will be, there's a, it's, it's not concrete evidence. But the Smithsonian is involved in, you know, they're well known to be involved in a, scandal with the giants now almost they, their name is in almost all these stories it says that the smithsonian you know will take the mummy or skeleton 
and then it's never heard of again. Then it's all denied that it ever existed. Um, But they're involved in more than just giant um, scandals. There's there's other scandals, and you can look up Smithsonian scandal, and you can see all kinds of stuff. Um, You know, the idea is, you know, uh, does that make me, you know, a conspiracist? Um, You know, anybody who who was looking, you know, at the Piltdown Man and saying that it was not fake, that it was, you know, that, uh, or saying that it was fake, should, was probably called a conspiracist. So, uh, I would, I would say, you know, if the other way, conspiracy, it's, it's a conspiracy too, because if you believe that all of these accounts you know, which have the Smithsonian um, involved in, if all of them are wrong or if uh, they all got together and put these fakes out, then that's even a bigger conspiracy instead of just thinking that this one group or institution is doing it. Hmm. Um, Let me see, what are some other ones? You know, um, I had the... A guy from the, uh, I think what it's called, from Ripley's Believe It or Not, he's the vice president. He came in and he was looking at some of the posters that I have in on the wall, and it mentions the, uh, I think it's the Yosemite mummies in California. Typical China, yeah, the Yosemite mummies. And he walks by and he says, "We own that." And he's looking at that mummy. It's a female mummy holding a baby. And it's about six foot, a little over six foot, almost seven foot tall. But um, I asked him, I said, where, where is it located now? He said, it's in Ripley's in Mexico. He said, we've got a Ripley's Museum in Mexico, and it's there. But it was, it was kind of huh. neat. He said, we love the Giants. So he, the, the vice president of Ripley's actually came through the museum here. That's, that's fascinating. I, I, I grew up on Ripley's. <laughs> so yeah. it was always as, fun to watch. As you scroll down, you can see some that are very similar, like the Bridal Veil Falls mummy. Uh, that, that's another mummy out of California. There's there's a lot. Out of all of these, you would think that it would be exhausted. I'll bet I could double this amount if I had three people working around the clock to put up the information for me. I have that much that hasn't been... I, I do not have enough time to put all these giants onto my website. And, you know, you can see right now that my, my website is... It's, it's, um, there's a fair amount of material on it, on it now, but I could easily double it with um, the research that I've done. It's, uh, well, there's a lot of uh, various giants where they are uh, women clutching babies. Yeah. Now in Michigan, there's you know a giant handprint in Copper Harbor, and I want to see if I can get up get up to Michigan. There's there's several handprints that are up there uh, that people have carved, and what you know what they'll do is they'll you know put their hand up and they'll carve around it so uh, to show the size of the warrior or whatever. But there's several of them that are really huge, and there's several that are in Michigan that have six fingers and I wanted 
at some point do a road trip and go up there and and see if I can get some replicas of of those. Huh. Michigan has a lot of a lot of giants. The most concentrated uh, right now is Ohio, and I've I've got evidence for all of all the counties in Ohio except for twelve. So let me see how much is that. That's like it's about sixty. I have about sixty of the counties that have giants in them in in Ohio that oh. I've mapped out. So it's almost the entire state, every county. Before I'm done, I believe I'll have have all of it uh, mapped out. One thing that I've done is also um, in the museum I have a map of Florida, just to try to bring it home to the locals, and I have forty articles on you know on this map that show the different locations where giants have been found between seven to 12 feet tall on that map. And it, it's amazing, you know, right below me is um, is St. Augustine. St. Augustine's one of the, you know, it's, I think it's the oldest city in the United States. And uh, they talk about the Timucuan Indians being seven and a half feet tall. You can go up here to the Golden Isles just above me in Georgia, and uh, there are giants that are reported there. In Brunswick, there's a report on a 13-footer. Now, all this is, is within 40 miles of me. Wow. In, in Amelia Island, there were three skulls that were dug out. One of them was a very large skull with uh, double rows of teeth, and another one had triple rows of teeth. Um, and Amelia Island is uh, between Jacksonville and the border. You go towards Tallahassee, and um, um, there's stories about you know the Spanish explorers and you know these giant native chieftains you know that were um, a foot and a half taller. Even here in Jacksonville, a French explorer says that there were. Um, they met Indians that were a foot and a half or a head and a half taller than any of their men. So it's, you know, it's, it's where I'm at. It's where you're at. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's amazing how much evidence there is. And I wish that the mainstream uh, creation groups and churches would lose this fear because, you know, it really does help the cause. And I don't think people will see it right away, but I, th I think that when you know people start recognizing that, hey, there's a giant for a chimpanzee, there's a giant for a gorilla, there's a giant for um, you know for an orangutan. You know, when all those pieces come together, I have to believe that they will lose lose their faith in in pantheism and evolution, and start sure. to move move towards you know, well, if everything was better, it does look like it was designed, like it was intelligently designed. Yeah, yeah. And things just continue to go downhill from there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, it, it's just, it's a problem for churches when they uh, have to deny certain parts of the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start saying, oh, well... Uh, when the Bible talks about Goliath, it was just speaking in hyperbole, and uh, these these giants mentioned in Genesis six 
well, that's actually just the descendants of Cain or, or something along that line. And they were just really bad people. They weren't really that big. Um, well, now you're, you're allegorizing the Bible in a sense. That, or you have to, to admit to some kind of a Bible contradiction. Right. Um, whereas we have positive ed- evidence. We have quite a bit of positive evidence that there were giants on the earth uh, at one time, humongous human beings, plants, animals, uh, and uh, it's actually positive evidence for the scriptures, one, and two, it, it's actually quite a knockout blow for the theory of, of evolution as well. It, yeah. it, it, your site is awesome because, yeah, it, it looks to me like what you have uh, examples from all 50 states, right? Yeah, all 50 states are have uh, examples, and uh, like and I said, I've, I've got five or six, maybe 700 more that I have still yet to <laughs> add to that. Well, if, if there's anybody out there listening who wants to help uh, and volunteer with Chris, I'm, I'm sure he'll take you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you also have a link under Greater Humans for international Mm-hmm. Um, what types of finds have been found uh, internationally as far as giants go? Um, one of my favorites is the, the Kosselinou, uh skeleton, and it's from, from France. Um, and this is brought by uh, Michael Ewers. He's, he's the one that first showed me this. But I replicated the, um, these actual bones, and these, these are peer-reviewed. Um, they were peer-reviewed back in the day. Oh, so you can you can scroll scroll over to France and and, and see the Costelinou, but you can come to the museum and see how big uh, the femur bone is, how big around it. It looks like a cow bone, and it was studied and tested and found to be, you know, found to be legitimate, and it, it was definitely human. I think at at the time the estimates were somewhere. And this is one of the largest examples, um, possibly 11, 12 foot. Uh, wow. Um, one of them oh, the, that I um, thought was... Now, while we're in ahead. France, um, the Glozelle handprints. Now, that, that's, an, that's a very interesting one. I have a replica of the Glozelle, of one of the Glozelle handprints. I was a, a, allowed a... A photograph of one of the handprints. Now, the Glozell Museum. I have to, you know, go through and type everything up, and then go through Google Translate and send them a letter in French. But I contact them about every year to see if I can get um, pictures or more information about those finds. From what I know, they have about 15 handprints. The one that I have is the smallest, and it's eight and three-quarter inches. Um, the largest is, they say, is about 15. So a 15-inch handprint, that's... There's people that ha- have had a 12-inch handprint. So we're talking about, you know, in excess of, of three inches. Um, but if you come and, you know, people put their hand in the Glozell handprint here at the museum, and they'll... They always say, wow, that's a big hand. And I say, that's the smallest of 15. And that just blows their mind. 
Wow. Wow. What about this Egyptian finger? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That blew me away. There, that's one of those that, you know, now we're breaking out of, you know, the idea of it just being a greater ancestor. Now you have to get into the, you know, is it Nephilim? There's some, there's some people that have said that it might be, um, you know, an enlarged finger from like acromegaly or something like that. And there are examples of that, but never, their, their joint links never match up. So this is a, this is a perfect finger. Uh, supposedly it was one of those that is stolen. It's stolen now. Um, and I guess the people are upset who had it. But, yeah, people broke in, stole it, it's gone, no one can test it. Oh, so all we have is pictures of it. Yeah. However, oh, I, I, I do think it's interesting, and, and uh, I've replicated that one as well. And you can see an a exact size replica of that here at the museum. And in, in, uh, I think I remember seeing that it was 15 inches long. Yeah. Just a finger. Yeah, and what really blows my mind is that it looks like a pinky. Out of all the fingers, <laughs> that's the one it looks like is the pinky. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking I would at suggest it. if you're a little bit sheepish about you know the giant subject, I would stay away from the really big stuff. And uh, I would start looking at um, the Neanderthals. Um, you know, several of those, they, they just have a larger brain size than today. I would also suggest to go through and learn what averages, you know, what the average femur length is and what the average of different bones are. So, you know, that's, that's the best place to start. Then you'll rec recognize what, you know, what is a, a giant. And we're just talking about, you know, between seven to nine feet for the most part. Uh, yeah. Robert Wadlow, you know, Robert Wadlow, he's the largest. If, if you go to Wikipedia, it says he is the largest person for whom there is irrefutable evidence. And Guinness Book has him as the largest person that ever existed. So uh, I'm, I made a couple of YouTube videos. The first one's called... 100 ancients taller than Robert Wadlow. And these are just people, you know, within a foot taller than him. And then I put out another one, another 100 ancients taller than Robert Wadlow. Um, but this is, it, it says specifically that there's no one taller. He's the tallest person ever. So it, it kind of gives you the perspective if I can come up with 200 people taller than him from history, you know, just barely taller than him, then what, what is it that people are being taught? Man. So I'm, I'm being a little distracted here. He was 8 foot 11. Yeah, 8 foot 11. And, and you look at these pictures, and he's just huge. Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah you, can, you can go to my YouTube page. I've got, I've got um, several videos uh, one's on Spanish explorers, multinational explorers. You know, in Colorado, I think it was uh, Coronado, who he discovered the Colorado River giants. And um, 
So uh, there's several others. You, you, you can hardly name a Spanish explorer that did not mention giants. I mean, it's, it's across the board. What, what is your uh, YouTube page? Um, I think there it is, Chris, Chris Leslie yeah. YouTube. Yeah, there we go. And if I'll, you just type into Google uh, uh, Greater Ancestors YouTube, you'll be able to find it too. Yeah. And there's uh, there's a few on there on uh, greater technology. Um, I, I don't I don't lean towards the alien idea that you know if there's greater technology that it's alien. What I do lean towards is that people were smarter. It was Solomon. King Solomon said that there's no new thing under the sun, and you know, I can hardly ever find the people that will actually believe that. Uh, you know, Jesus said that um, Solomon was the smartest man that ever lived. Right. You know, so if he says that there's no new thing, then you know you should you should automatically think that you know that yes, that's existed in the past, but. I, I think it's like an, an arrogance that's ingrained in all of us. So one of the things that I've done is the concept of robotics. And you can see videos on my website about robotics that are mentioned um, in history. They claim to have mechanical people in the past. And so, you know, I put that out there as well. There's like I said, airplanes, automobiles, just about everything. There's there's some mention. Um, Montezuma from uh, Mexico, The some of the Spanish explorers said that he had uh, wheeled war machines. And so, you know, that, that sounds a lot like a like an automobile or tank. Interesting. There are also well, um, other evidences like Suits of armor. There's suits of armor of um, you know people six foot nine, seven foot. You know that you know they had to be that big just to wear the armor. But if you if you talk you know to uh, go to some secular source, it will say that the armor in the past was smaller, so that you know people in the 16th century must have been real small. And most people will say that. You know the Spanish explorers; they were five foot six. That's what we always hear. Right. Uh, they were five foot six in the 1800s, but if you go back to the 1600s, they were five foot eight and a quarter. And uh, they've done some studies, and you can see that there was two and a half inches that was lost between that time period. So, you know, the time of the Spanish explorers was in the 1600s, which is when they were at their their peak height, you know, at that time. Huh. So uh, I read on your site. What's up with these five hundred foot tall? I'm sorry. Five hundred no. feet tall. <laughs> five hundred of the fifteen foot tall Peking giants. What's up with that? These are from from China. Um who aren't necessarily known for being taller. Right. Yeah, this is an early account, uh, 1555. This is long, long ago. And um, those archaeologists claims that there were skeletons of 15-foot uh, giants. 
and um, there's a link at the bottom that you could that you could go to and find more information. Uh, I always put try to give people credit and put the original source on there, um, so people can you know find more information and uh, follow up and do what I call giant hunting. I call myself a giantologist, while you know people that take what I I put out there and go further. I call them uh, giant hunters, and so they're they're actually doing doing the legwork for me. Yeah, you asked me about what were some of my favorite giants. In uh, yeah, uh, as as far as giant humans go, my one of my favorites is the San Diego giant. I I found that article back in. Let me see. It was in uh, 2010, and uh, it's a it's a mummy um, that was found uh, in a cave, and it was placed in a 10 foot coffin, it's two and a half feet wide and two feet deep, uh, and covered with glass. Amazingly, the Smithsonian bought it for $500, and once they got it in the possession, they said it was a fake. And then it disappeared, and uh, they claim they don't have it, and uh, they don't know what happened to it. Just it was lost in time. But that particular one is a good photograph of two men that are about five foot eight, and they are standing beside a Native American mummy that is eight feet four inches. Wow. Uh, a a skeleton or mummy will lose three inches in height when it dehydrates. So it could have been three inches taller. So that would make it eight foot seven. And to give you a comparison, out of seven billion people on our planet today, there are three eight footers. So when we who who holds the record right now for the tallest person? As far as like, you know, uh, in modern times, something that's recorded, uh, like in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, well, the Guinness Book, it, it does something pretty amazing. It, it gives the tallest person for whom there ever lived, uh, that ever lived for whom there's irrefutable evidence. And they say that that was Robert Wadlow. And he's dead now. But uh, he lived, uh, I think, back in the 40s. But Guinness Book of World Records, Wikipedia, and all the major sites say the exact same thing. He's the tallest man ever, tallest man ever. So one of the things that I did is I put out a YouTube video that had 100 ancients taller than Robert Wadlow. And I put that out there. And... Um, and then I put another one out there called Another 100 Ancients Taller Than Robert Wadlow. <laughs> where, can people, where, where can people find those videos, by the way? Uh, that's on my YouTube page. Just look uh, uh, for the Greater Ancestors YouTube page. Um, that may be under my name, Chris Leslie. But there's over a 1,000 examples I, I kind of overdid it. I, at the end, I added some of the largest accounts, 200, 400 uh, uh, individuals that were over nine feet. And I kept it in, in the range. I just wanted to 
show people that, you know, just nine footers, I didn't, there's a lot of 10 footers, but I just wanted to keep it in the range. So there's no nine footers today. And, uh, people take it, take it lightly. You know, when, when we say that there are eight footers and like I said, there's only three on our whole planet. Hmm. Yeah, that is that is interesting, and yeah, you're right. It is uh, <clears throat> Chris Leslie is your yeah. YouTube channel, okay. but uh, I, I found it just by typing into Google Greater Ancestors YouTube. But uh, either way, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you you can go to there's there's a lot of stuff on there about ancient te- uh, ancient technology, greater technology from the past, and um, in the future I'll be adding a lot more uh, having to do with animals and stuff like that. So so, how tall did you say that this uh, Native American was? Eight four zero, and it might even be up to eight seven. Yeah. If you rehydrate him, eight foot seven. He's still under, you know, under Robert Wadlow, but um, it, sh- it shouldn't even be there. If evolution were true, um, you know, there there shouldn't be a single eight footer in the fossil record. But like I said, there's hundreds of even nine footers. Like. A lot of people are saying that there was only about a thousand counts, and that was, you know, even some of the giantologists, they would say there's only a thousand uh, accounts of giants. But I proved that wrong when I made those two videos. There's, there's, there's close to 2,000 nine-footers alone. Whoa. Whoa. And I'll be doing some, uh, some new videos in the futures on that on on nine footers as well, and I chose nine footers just because of Robert Wasa, just just to kind of <laughs> outdo that and uh, show academia to be wrong. And and so, what other favorites do you have as far as like tallest uh, uh, humans go? Um, another one is it's called the is you know locally to me it's within sixty miles of my location. And it's called the Vero, Vero Man, and it's a giant from Vero Beach. And there was a, a skeleton that was found in Florida, in Vero Beach, Florida. And I spent a lot of time there when I was young. I used to go to the beach all the time, and we always went to Vero Beach. But in the New Smyrna Daily News, January 5th, 1917, it talks about a, uh, a skeleton was found there and the title of the article is um, fossil found at Vero say men grew 12 feet tall whoa and so this is the largest example in Florida now I believe it's the University of Miami they had the skull they had the skull there and they had they had made a replica of the skull and I think they just have the replica uh, now. They don't have the original skull. Amazing how you can lose a, a skull of a uh, you know a person who is claimed to be 12, 12 feet tall. Right. That's that's an odd coincidence. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm planning on uh, doing some follow up research on that, and I'll be making a road trip and uh, trying to locate 18 folders on Vero Man, and then I'm going to bring them back here uh, to the Greater Ancestors Museum. And uh, I'll have those for public display uh, so people can 
can see that. Right, in, right now at the museum, you, you know, we have posters for sale of, um, of the San Diego Giant and, uh, um, and Vero Man as well. And, and there's some other leads on there, like some titles of different articles. I have a list of, of every news article on that poster that Vero Man appeared in. So, so that's a, that's a pretty, a pretty good thing for giant hunters to have. So uh, let me ask you this, and this one's coming from nowhere, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as giants go, is there any specific uh, traits that are common to these giants? Uh, I don't know, extra fingers, extra toes, um, extra teeth, strange facial features, elongated skulls, anything like that? Uh, as far as the elongated skull, I've, I've spoken with Brian Forster down in uh, Paracas, and he sent an email to me saying that, yeah, the uh, um, the skeletons um, that have been found associated with these elongated skulls were seven feet tall. Now, people say, well, you know, seven foot, we have seven foot people today, you know, basketball players and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you were to go and start digging up graves right now, uh, you would have to dig up randomly 2.3 million to find a seven-footer. That's how rare they are. So it's one in every, you know, 2.3 million is a seven-footer. Um, so, you know, that. It's extremely rare. As far as basketball players, there's there's not that many over seven foot three. Uh, 2013 to 2014 uh, year in basketball, there was only one person who was seven foot three, and nobody was taller. So we just automatically think that you know everybody that plays the basketball is seven foot. Uh, that's not true. So you know when we say there's 47 footers or you know uh 207 foot or an entire tribe of timaquans that were seven to seven and a half feet you know that's 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 a big deal interesting um so flipping over to the other side of the website where you're talking about uh greater animals bigger animals (laughs) what's up with the giant rabbit (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorites. Um, it is one of my favorites. Uh, that's one that actually my wife brought to me. It was on my list of uh, fossils to be found, which is, you know, getting to be uh, a non-list. Everything that I have on there that are that has been difficult has been found. And as far as giantologists, I'm the only guy out there that says that there are no exceptions. You know. Every animal we have today has a greater ancestor without, you know, without exception. Um, but, yeah, the giant rabbit, that's a, that's a real – I was so excited when she found that. Uh, <laughs> and that was my wife. Uh, she had found that one. Uh, here's, here's some news. They just put a titanoboa exhibit at the Jacksonville Zoo. It's a, it's a 50 – about a 55-foot uh, snake. The widest area is 
three feet across. Uh, that's how big this snake is. You can, they have the bones. I've got some pictures of me holding the bones. I was so thrilled. And, uh, while, while, while I was there, uh, I was actually doing the install. I had worked on it for eight days. So I was working for the company that was building this giant snake, uh, for display, uh, Pizzazz Scenic Company. And, uh, there were 33,000 scales that had to be attached. And some of them were, you know, three inches wide. So if you can imagine 33,000 scales and three inches wide, that's a, that's a pretty big snake. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I was, I was involved in, in the, uh, construction of that thing, which I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to death that I was able to be a part of that. And that happened, uh, about, about a month ago, I think. And it's going to be up at the Jacksonville Zoo on display until October. So. Well, that, that would be something to see. Yeah. And, and hopefully not meet in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also at, in the museum, um, the, something I'm working on here, and it's the Otis Wood Pit Viper Skull. Otis Wood is a, a guy, I believe he's out of Kentucky, and he had found a a pit viper, which is basically a rattlesnake. Um, it's 10 and 7 eighths inches from the nose to the back of the head. What? So normally a rattlesnake, you know, has a, a head that's about two inches, and this one is ten and seven eighths. So I'm halfway through construction of uh, uh, building this pit viper that you can see at the Greater Ancestors World Museum um, from that size. Wow! So that's, wow! Yep. So that's going to be a neat display. <laughs> So going back to the rabbit real quick, how big was that rabbit? Um, I'm going to have to check that. I'm, I'm trying to remember it. that one. but uh, It exceeds 10 times the estimated body mass, uh -huh. more than 10 times larger than the wild o, uh, caniculus from Spain. It's uh, more than two times larger than individuals of the northernmost populations of the largest species of the genus Lepus, Europius. Um, gosh, I don't know if it says just how big it is. I mean, if, if there's no um, actual measurement in here, I may have to go back and, uh, and check that. But one cool thing on the site, you can see the comparison with the bones there are several bones and you know some of the tips compared to the you know normal size rabbit it it's giant size uh, there's one in particular the it's the second picture uh going down on that on that link uh-huh and it says two centimeters i mean the that's just the tip so you know, that's you know when you're talking about eighty percent, that's that's insanely huge. Yeah, that, huh. that is one of my favorites. Um, there's a a armadillo 
Um, yeah. A uh, fairy armadillo. That is a big bone. Yeah, from an armadillo. The, uh, even the giant armadillo, you know, that that's the name of it. it. There's the largest armadillo today. They call it the giant armadillo. I think they need to change the name just because of the ones in the past. <clears throat> Uh, that bone is huge. And and what bone would you say that is? Uh, that is definitely a that's uh, a femur bone. A femur bone, and it is easily half the height of this guy holding it. Yeah, so it's two and a half, three feet, something like that, close to it. And it's got the girth of a tree trunk. That's probably you know maybe a. 15-year-old tree. Yeah, the the bone <laughs> itself is, is the size of a man's leg, you know, in diameter. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Yeah, that And an armadillo. And yeah. those guys are fairly small. Yeah. Uh, one of the largest ones is Peltophilus giganteus, and I don't believe that one is on my website uh, yet. But that one is uh, from a pink, today it's called a pink fairy armadillo. And there are two species. One of them is three inches long. The other one is five inches long. That's how big they are today. In the fossil record, it's 20 feet in length and has a a set of horns. And it's called Peltophilus giganteus. And that's that's one of the largest. That's the largest example I know, and it comes from the smallest example today. I think it's the most extreme example of an animal shrinking. And and they do seem to shrink at different rates too. None of them. I guess it's because they're programming. You know, the designer that when God made them, he uh, I guess he thought up, you know, in time span how small they every animal would be, you know, in accordance to man. So he keeps everything so, in balance. Uh, okay, so on that note, <clears throat> we see all of these giant animals. We see humans being larger in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean for an onwards, upwards, bigger and better evolutionary uh, paradigm? Uh, it means that... Um, just the opposite is happening of what, you know. It means evolution has the inconvenience of being false. It's just wrong. Um, it also means that evolution has has devised a clever way of getting rid of 98% of the fossil record to promote an anomaly. Greater ancestry is a scientific model that works in within all fossils evolution is a framework you know common ancestry which works in an anomaly uh they get rid of the evolutionists they get rid of 98% of the fossil record with one word extinct the truth is is all these animals are mislabeled extinct they are the animals that are living today. They are just have shrunk. So what the evolutionists do, they um, they compare different species and they rank them, 
you know, in, in different orders, completely different species, and they ignore um, all these giants. And to give you one, one really good example, the giant horse, um, the horse evolution chart goes, you know, it's one of the clearest examples of, of what they call, you know, uh, evolution from a smaller animal to a larger animal. But the truth is that they're, uh, they're completely different animals, different rib count, different um, bone structure, different number of toes. And even in some of those, you can see that the larger ones were earlier and they shrunk. But uh, evolution avoids, like the plague, the giant horses. Uh, Equus giganteus, Equus enormous. There's even some normal-sized horses that are found, you know, at the same level and below the earliest horses, supposedly, in the evolutionary timeline. But in Oregon, in Montana, in uh, Texas, there were horses that were found at the, at the time, in, you know, in back 1800s, that were reported to be 30 feet tall. What? And there's not one example. There's three examples from different states of horses 30 feet tall. There are multiple um, um, newspaper articles, like the Pittsburgh Press, November 4th, 1906. The, the title is 30 feet tall. Uh, another one, the Oregon Daily Journal, August 23rd, 1906. 30-foot horse fossil is unearthed. Now, I, I'm sure they just didn't know how to use a tape measure back then. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> they weren't qualified to make that measurement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure um, that there, there are lots of excuses you know, for this, but um, one thing's for sure, you know, Equus giganteus, you know, is is average 10 to 13 feet tall it's larger than the largest draft horse and it's it's numerous there's new finds there was one in el salvador found about eight nine months ago so um they're still finding them in canada um even in central america so i i, I think when I'm, I'm putting a book out right now called giant horse and that book is going to uh, go through, you know, modern times. The largest horse is a horse named Radar. Uh, I believe he's 19 and a half hands tall. Um, a hand is four inches. I'll tell you how tall it was. But I go back looking through old archives, and I find horses mentioned in the 1900s, early 1900s, that were... 20 hands tall and 21 hands tall and then I go back into the 1800s and show reports of horses 22 and a half and 23 hands tall where they just consecutively get bigger the further back in time you go hmm when is that book uh, when do you think you're going to have that completed I'm going to try to finish this book out before the year is over hopefully uh, during the summertime, 
Are um, you going to uh, just put it like on on Kindle? Or are you going to actually are you going to have it printed, or what are you thinking? Uh, I, I am going to um, I'm going to have it printed. It's going to, it's going to be a printed book. I have I haven't put out a book yet, and uh, you know what's funny is is I've I've put out comic books. I've I've done about six comic books, and I've had them all to print. And if you're comic book enthusiast you know that's a big deal and nobody will even talk to you in the comic book industry you know <laughs> until you put out your first book and it's amazing i think you know in a, a lot of circles it's the same way if you if you haven't had a book out yet you know you're still slightly illegitimate well i'm i'm about to break through that that barrier <laughs> for myself Oh man, yeah, I am. I am a recovering comic book uh, geek. Uh, when I was a young guy, I collected all the stuff, and I still have, I still have boxes that I'm holding on to, hoping that someday they'll amount to something. But yes, all the stuff that you're seeing movies of right now, I have those comic books. Uh, yeah, and they are they are in mint condition, all with backboards and packed away in a dark place. And um, yep. I, you know, that that's just something I did when I was a little kid. I had a paper out and I collected all kinds of comic books. And um, I thought, you know, maybe when I got older, it was like, maybe I should hold on to those. Those might actually help me someday. Right. <laughs> so a little, little tiny nest egg sitting there. Yep. Who knows? I have or, the same, um, you know, maybe <clears throat> now's the time to take them out and sell them. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, I've, I've done artwork across multiple fields i'm actually doing some abstracts um for the transportation department here in jacksonville and also um um you know doing murals and working on right now doing uh laser tag arenas it's all black light so i'm I'm actually working in the dark all you can see is the the glow in the dark paint you know when you're painting but it's it's really fun it's, i like the job so so tell everybody about your museum. Um, the museum is in Jacksonville, Florida. It's at 121 Forsyth Street. And it's you have to go underground in order to go in the museum. So you go into the Atlantic National Bank building. Um, there's always a guard there. You just tell them you want to go see the the museum, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. And you go into the underground, which is, um, there was a series of bank tunnels where they used to transport cash and it was unavailable to the public. So they had these tunnels going under the streets of Jacksonville. And uh, here in recent times, they've opened up two of those tunnels and one of the tunnels, you know, is where uh, the museum is. I have a gallery uh, in there as well. That's the majority of my space. But in that gallery, there is a bank vault that is between 1,400 and 1,600 square feet. It's a giant vault. It's the largest. Wow. Uh, it's probably the largest one in Jacksonville. Um but that's where the museum so it's a it's a hidden history and giant museum inside of a bank vault. 
Uh, that's fine. Yeah, and if uh, if a war happens and people are dropping bombs or, you know, there's a tornado, you know, I'll just open it up to the public and they can come here for safety. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I, I might have to come visit that next time I'm out that way. Um, I'm looking at your Facebook page right now, the Greater Ancestors World Museum. Yeah. And uh, there are some pictures on there, and so, yeah, looks interesting. So we are trying to boost boost up traffic on our our YouTube page and our website. So um, we've been doing a lot of things to try to raise money um, with um, GoFundMe projects. You can see a couple of GoFundMe projects on the homepage. Uh, you can also see um, donate buttons, and that money goes directly to materials and uh, resources for the museum. And that is, that's on your website, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, um, yes. Okay, yeah, top right-hand corner pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Ish. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, Chris, it's been an honor. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. All right. So we're going to stop right there. Again, that's Chris Leslie of the Greater Ancestors Museum. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, that was that was a fun conversation, whatever the case. Uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I could use your prayers. And uh, yes, I am hoping to post another podcast towards the end of this week. Uh, this will be again on second Peter chapter one. Uh, and, uh, so with that, I love you guys and we'll see you on the next one.